Welcome to MapTrap's Legal Briefs, the podcast where we explore specific strategies and tactics used by brands to protect their pricing, distribution, and intellectual property. The information in this podcast is provided for general informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and MapTrap's guest presenters. Listeners should seek legal advice from a lawyer licensed in the listener's state. Welcome to Legal Briefs. As always, we've got Jeremy Richardson on the line. Jeremy is a partner in the New York office of the law firm Freeborn and Peters. Jeremy, are you there? I sure am. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice to hear your voice again. You as well. Uh, Today, we'd like to talk about something that a lot of brands need more clarity about, and that's the first sale doctrine. Uh, You did mention it in one of our earlier podcasts, uh, but let's go a little more in depth. The basics are I own it, so I can do whatever I want with it, and you can't stop me. If that's the case, Jeremy, how can a brand get rid of undesired sellers who have purchased their products? All right, Ron. Hey, this is actually a topic that uh, I really like talking about and learning more about. So the first sale doctrine Uh, at its heart is you as a trademark owner sell a product with your trademark on it. And once you sell it, you lose control of the purchaser's right to resell. So as long as a retailer buying from your uh, supplier uh, has purchased uh, legitimate, genuine goods, it can resell them uh, in whatever way it wants to. That's the first sale doctrine, again, uh, in its essence. But there are some limitations on the reseller's ability not to infringe the owner's trademark. Uh, And it's really two different categories that we talk about. Uh, One is the material difference standard, and two is quality control. Uh, I'm going to talk about both of these together uh, because they really wrap together very well. Essentially, you as the trademark owner can still control the resale of your trademark products through, again, the material difference quality control standards, if there is a material difference between what the retailer is selling and the genuine goods, there is the ability of the trademark owner to enforce this trademark and prevent the retailer from selling non-genuine or materially different goods uh, under trademark infringement theories. And a couple of different types of Material differences could be post-sale customer support, um, guarantees, warranties, uh, the ability to return product, um, those types of issues that a consumer would find um, material to the product it's purchasing. So it doesn't even have to be a physical difference between products. We're not necessarily talking about adulterated products. Uh, but we're talking about various um, things that really go with a product and a trademark owner has an opportunity to say to a retailer, you have to do all of these things to be a re- to be an authorized reseller of our product. And if you are not handling this in the right way, if you're selling a product and it really is materially different from the genuine article, the 
brand owner can bring a trademark infringement action and essentially stop sales. So can you give me an, an example of materially different, uh, you know, you mentioned warranties. Um, how does, how would that play out? Sure. So if you are a brand owner and you have a, um, a group of authorized resellers and those authorized resellers are really the ones that you want selling your product. And when you purchase through this authorized reseller, a consumer has the opportunity to register its product uh, to obtain an extended warranty by registering the product uh, to be able to get, as we talked about, post-sale customer support, um, maybe to get uh, notices of accessories or other items that go well with your product. Um, and if a retailer who is not an authorized reseller is not able to provide those um, additional services that go with your product, uh, that is enough to make a material difference, uh, something, again, that the consumer would expect or find important when making its purchasing decision. So if there's an authorized reseller and not authorized reseller, both have the trademark product, both sell it on e-com, both have the same price, but one has those additional benefits and the other doesn't, one would think that a consumer would want to purchase from the retailer where those additional benefits are available. So that's what we talk about as material difference. Um, and that's what gives rise to uh, a trademark infringement suit or really the opportunity of the brand owner, trademark owner uh, to prevent an unauthorized reseller from selling um, non-genuine product. So we're not saying that the product is actually materially different but the relationship between the brand and the seller is materially different. Um, I, I would put those together. I would say that the product and the additional services merge together as one. So the material difference really is not a physical difference or a physical attribute uh, that distinguishes the product, uh, but it's really those uh, related services that could go with the product. Gotcha. Is there anything to uh, certification of authenticity to be able to say to an unauthorized seller? And, and does this fall under the purview of the first uh, sale doctrine that since you're not authorized to purchase our products, we don't know where you got it. Therefore, we can't even vouch for the authenticity of that product. Would that be something that you could bring in? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. When you have unauthorized resellers and the brand owner doesn't know the source of its supply, it could be gray market. It could have been intended for a, a different um, a different region. And in those cases, you can have significant differences, for example, in product safety standards, uh, because we don't have international harmonization a product that complies with one country's safety standards may not comply with another. Uh, so those are really important differences. The product by and large may be the same, um, but there may be something that is different. And I'll throw out uh, an example in Canada, at least in some, uh, some regions of Canada, there's a requirement of dual language, French, English, 
information on the packaging. So if you have a product that's sold in the U.S. that only has English language, uh, it's really not authorized for sale in, say, Quebec, uh, where they have the dual language requirement. Uh, the product itself inside the bag could be the exact same, but there's a violation of a standard there. Um, and that certainly, uh, in my mind, would be a material difference and subject uh, a reseller to a trademark infringement case uh, by, uh, by the trademark owner. So just to be a little more specific uh, as to maybe a product type. So we work with a lot of... Uh, Nutrition brands, uh, what would a material difference be potentially with, you know, with that type of a product that's going to be uh, a consumable or maybe even an on the skin type of product? Sure. Well, again, there may be a host of post-sale services that are available to a consumer uh, to be able to go to the brand manufacturer, register their product to be able to get additional uh, information, get notices about, I don't know, sales of or you know discounts of uh, supplemental product uh, to be able to learn about uh, related products that go with the um, consumable uh, that you've purchased. If you're buying uh, one type of vitamin, um, vitamin C, and you want to learn about vitamin D or zinc or something else. Uh, that's made by the same company and you register to get that information, uh, if that's available only through authorized resellers and not through an unauthorized reseller, that I think is a great example of a material difference. Is there a place in a terms and conditions or a reseller agreement uh, where, where a brand should kind of lay the groundwork for this type of, of defense? Uh, I, I think uh, I think the better place for that is maybe getting into the quality standards, which is the second exception to the first sale doctrine. Um, if you have product, let's say, that has an expiration date um, and you want to make sure that your, re your resellers don't sell the product after the expiration or the best buy date, that, that might be a material term. Um, in your terms and conditions of sale. Uh, it may give rise to a requirement that the um, brand manufacturer take back expired product if the retailer isn't able to sell it, but that's sort of a different, uh, different avenue we can talk about. Um, but quality standards are, uh, are really important, and I would certainly list those out in a reseller agreement. It may be that the brand owner wants to have a member of its team go visit the retailer uh, to uh, to meet fairly regularly to give the sales staff, the retailers, sales staff training uh, about the product. Um, if we're talking about pet industry, I imagine there are some types of pet food that go really well with one breed and maybe not so well with another breed uh, or with the size of dog or with an age of dog. And you want to be able to have your team, the, the brand owner's team, be able to give training to the sales staff at that retailer's establishment. So there's a quality standard uh, where you want to have well-educated sales folks in the retail stores to provide the best information about your range of products. 
and an unauthorized reseller isn't going to get that hands-on training from the brand owner. So there are quality standards there that make a significant um, uh, significant difference uh, to uh, to the brand owner because they want their brand represented in a particular way. And those quality standards are a real avenue to prevent unauthorized resellers who don't meet those quality standards from selling your product. So I've heard that there have been some successful lawsuits uh, that have uh, used material differences to take down uh, sellers uh, who are who are unauthorized sellers. Uh, are you familiar with that? Can you speak to that? Is is this a way to potentially sue someone um, to stop selling your products? Well, it it absolutely is because again, um, the first sale doctrine at its essence is the reseller who buys genuine product can sell it however he, she, they want to sell the product without any restrictions. Um, so you, if you were to bring a trademark infringement action against a reseller of genuine products, they would hold up the first sale doctrine as an absolute defense and you would get nowhere. Uh, but with these two exceptions, with the material differences exception and the quality standards exception, you could go in and bring a trademark infringement lawsuit and have the ability to stop the retailer from selling uh, selling these products as non-genuine, as, as infringing your trademark. So yes, there are uh, a number of lawsuits and a number of uh, opportunities there to stop an unauthorized reseller. Uh, to, be, uh, to be quite honest, I haven't seen a whole lot of these actions I think it's because most brand owners are not familiar with these two exceptions to the first sale doctrine, and it doesn't get enough attention. And it is a real, um, a real opportunity. It's it's a it's a great, uh, as I like to say, arrow in the quiver um, to protect your brand and to prevent uh, resellers who are not. Uh, selling your product in a way that represents your brand standards. I think this is great. Uh, quality standards and material differences are a way to combat the first sale doctrine. Uh, let's maybe we'll get an article up on the website about this. I think that'd be terrific. Sounds like fun. Uh, well, that's it. I think uh, unless Unless you have anything you want to say in summation, Jeremy, I think this has been a great podcast, and I think a lot of a lot of good information. Yeah, no this this is uh, this is a topic that uh, I, I find really uh, exciting, and again, it, it's an underutilized tool uh, that that brand owners have, and I'd love to see. Uh, I, I'd love to see proper uh, proper enforcement of trademark rights, especially in this area. Thanks, Ron. Excellent. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. If you'd like to submit a question or topic for a Legal Briefs podcast, email them to legalbriefs at maptrap.com. 
For more information about how MapTrap can help you with your online brand protection needs, visit www.maptrap.com.